Go ye kids, dismissed. I believe the Ungries are going to be with them. So it's an exciting time for them there. The rest of us grab our Bibles in Joshua chapter 10. Joshua and chapter 10. If you'll bear bear with me, we're going to try to read through the whole chapter. It's 40 verses, but it's all one story, and we're going to read through it and then consider it. We won't go back to e- and consider each individual verse, but consider um, what, the, what the Bible was saying in this passage. So we'll begin reading in verse number 1. I'll try not to read too quickly for the poor interpreter. But um, let's, as we read through Joshua chapter 10 and verse number 1. Now it came to pass when Adonizak, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as he had done to Jericho, and her king, as he had done to Ai and her king. And how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. That they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, as one of the royal cities, because it was greater than Ai. And all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore, Adonizak, king of Jerusalem, said unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jerumoth, and unto Jephia, king of Lachish, and unto Deber, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me, and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jerumoth, the king of Lachish, The king of Eglon gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their host, and encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp to to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants, come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly, and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon and smote them to Azekah unto Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in the going down from Beth Horon that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. 
Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there, is, and there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And Joshua returned in all Israel with him unto the camp at Gilgal. But these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings are found hid in a cave in Makeda. And Joshua said, Roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave, and set men by it for to keep them. And stay ye not, but pursue after your enemies, and smite the hindermost of them. Suffer them not to get enter into their cities. For the Lord your God hath delivered them into your hand. And it came to pass when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they were consumed, that the rest which remained of them entered into fenced cities. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua and Makeda in peace. None moved his tongue against the children of Israel. And we'll go ahead and we'll just stop our reading there and pray, and then we'll get started. Your Bibles. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before you. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to preach, and I thank you for your word. I just pray that you would um, be able to communicate um, your word tonight, Lord. I just pray I wouldn't say anything I shouldn't, that you would guide my tongue, and that um, we could leave here challenged to live more for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll get into the rest of what the chapter is um, a little bit later, and it's, it's a little bit repetitive when we get into it. But, um, so, so reading it, I don't want to um, harm the t- interpreter too much. But we'll get into it, don't worry. So, the Christian life demands the power of God. We would, ag- we would all agree with that. We would say, as we attempt to live our lives for Christ, each thing we attempt to do demands the power of God in our life. We cannot live the Christian life on our own. We cannot do it in our own strength. In fact, to do what God has commanded us, we are often in need of God to work miracles because we are so inadequate. As we look at what God has commanded us to do, we look at our lives, we look at the changes that need to happen in our lives so our lives can match up with the Word of God, we say, Lord, you're going to have to work some miracles. We look at what God has put in front of us with the Moores Park, Bible Baptist Church, with Union Baptist Church, we look at what some of the things God has put in front of our church, our small church here at Open Door, and we say, if we are going to accomplish that, we cannot do that in our own strength. We must have the miracles of God. We must not only have the power of God, it looks like we just need miracle after miracle after miracle to see any of this happen. You know what miracles are? Is God doing what we can't do? That's what a mir- it isn't. We often think of miracles of some supernatural event, and it is because God's doing what we cannot do. It doesn't have to be some writing in the sky to be a miracle of God. A miracle of God is what we need every single day. The miracle of God is salvation, where God is doing what we cannot do, where God saves us. We need the miracle of God each day we attempt to live the Christian life in this wicked city. We need it. Because we can't do what God has commanded us to do, but God can. 
We need God to do in our lives what only He can do. I remember when I was a little boy. That wasn't that long ago. Sometimes it seems like a long time ago. But I remember the first model that I tried to make was these little um, 135th, if anybody has ever done models, um, Marine Recon men. Now, the thing with those is these were, you just did not paint them. They were um, for big diorama people who spend their whole life making models. You had to glue the hands on the people. You had to glue the legs together, the arms together at the right angle. You had to glue, glue the individual microscopic canteens and grenades on these guys. It was that small. You were using tweezers to put this, put these, um, to put the model together. You were gluing the hat on. It wasn't like you were just had a little figure and you were painting it. You were gluing every part together. And I was about maybe eight years old. And I'm looking at this model saying, this is the model I want to do. I picked it out. I wanted to do this so much. And I looked at it and I'm like, what do the directions mean? What, what, how do I paint this model? What, how do I glue this together? And what had to happen is, my dad had to sit down with me and as we worked on it, sure, those were my models. But who really ended up putting them together was my dad. I got to stay there at the end and say, look at my models. Look at what I did. But in reality, the person who had put them together, the person who had made them look anything like what the picture on the box looked like was my dad. Because he was doing what I couldn't do. And if we want to get to the end of our lives and have our lives look anything like what God has commanded us to do, we're going to need God to do some miracles in our life. We're going to need to see God do some mighty workings in our life. Israel, up to this point in Joshua chapter 10, had seen God work time after time after time. If you've been with us, we've seen them as they went over the Jordan River. And then the walls of Jericho fell down and then they won the victory at Ai, even though they were massively numerically superior to the battle of Ai. It was still God who gave them the victory there at Ai. But Israel's success brought increased opposition. As as Israel saw God work in their life, they saw more trials come. As they saw God give them victories, they saw more battles and bigger battles come up. You see, in verse number 1, it says it talks about the king of Jerusalem. And when he heard what had happened to Ai, you see, he had already heard what happened at Jerusalem, at Jericho, and how the walls had fallen down. He'd heard about that. But then he heard it happened to Ai, too. And he's like, this isn't a fluke. It wasn't like they just had one victory, a flash in the pan. They're winning more victories. And not only that, Ai, they're coming this direction. Ai was the next town in, and if they were heading towards Jerusalem, Ai was the next town that way. So as they were, as they conquered Jericho and then they conquered Ai, the king of Jerusalem's there saying, they're coming my way. And they've conquered Ai, and that's fallen. And then the big news falls for the Canaanite kings. Gibeon has joined with Joshua. 
And Gibeon, the Bible explains here that Gibeon was a great city, it was a mighty city, that they had many mighty men. And now the kings were saying, these um, Canaanite kings were saying, Israel's getting stronger. They're starting to get more soldiers. We're not going to be able to defeat them. So they begin to band together. They begin to say, listen, we, hey, we're all getting together. You know, they can beat us one at a time, but they can't beat us all together. So they begin to make treaties and say, hey, come over here. And he began to send to his other allies and say, we need to get together and defeat Israel right now. And any time you see God move, you're going to see increased opposition. You're going to see more battles come. You're going to, don't be surprised when the devil fights your attempts to live for God. They had just seen what many people say that was the greatest mistake Israel made was making a peace treaty with the Gibeonites. But it was God's mercy that Gibeon was spared. It was God's mercy that allowed Gibeon to be spared. And I believe it was a time of rejoicing for the Gibeonites. They're saying, hey, our lives are spared. The, the Bible talks about how they were among the um, dwelling among Israel. They were um, incorporating themselves into Israel and learning the laws of God and learning what God expected of them. And they're saying, this is great. I can't imagine this. This is wonderful. How could this have happened to us? And then they hear of the marching of the other kings. And the Bible says they camped against Gibeon, the town of Gibeon. Now Gibeon is under siege. Gibeon is under attack. And they send out a messenger to Joshua saying, Everybody's here to attack us. All the kings of the Amorites. You've got to help us, Joshua. And they're, they're pulling their hair out. We didn't sign up for this. We thought we wouldn't have to fight if we joined with Joshua. So Gibeon is pulling their hair out. And they send a frantic plea for help to Joshua. And Israel, the whole army of Israel embarks on one of the greatest campaigns recorded in the book of Joshua. So here we have the Canaanite kings massing all their hosts together, all their armies together to attack Gibeon, saying, we're not going to allow one of our own to go with these foreigners who are coming in. That's not going to happen. We're not going to allow them to betray us. We're going to wipe them out before they can do that. They had, the Gibeonites had just made a peace treaty with the people of God. They were beginning to learn the things of God. And now they're surrounded. They're under attack. And they send the message to Joshua. And it says, So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people with him, and all the might Men of val- all the mighty men of valor. Joshua immediately begins to march to Gibeon's rescue. They ascend to Gilgal, okay? Gilgal is down in the, in the valley by the Jordan River. Where Gibeon was, was about maybe 15, maybe 20 miles away, but it was in the mountains. It was over 3,000 feet higher elevation. They were going up some pretty serious mountains here to get to where Gibeon was. But they cover that entire march in one night. 15 miles, 3,000 feet of elevation to show up to fight a battle the next morning. Usually, if you're getting ready to fight a battle, that's not the smartest thing to do, is to march all night and fight the next day. Usually, you're pretty tired. That's not the way you want to go. But they had the promise of God. God had appeared to Joshua and said, Fear them not, as he had time and time before with the battle of Jericho. 
with the battle of Ai. Don't fear them. Just do what I've commanded you. I've given you the victory. Joshua says, we've got God's promise. We've got God's word. we got promised victory. Go. And so they march all night. To arrive in an, an organized body of troops after marching all night through mountainous terrain is a feat in and of itself. Many times as armies would be marching, even doing a regular night march, they would have extreme problems with stragglers, with the army losing sense of direction, with um, just the logistics of it, getting to where they need to go, is very complicated. But they arrive there right at the right time. They have God's promise of victory. They press forward. They have God's word. They're going to do what God has commanded them to do. And they show up the next morning. Let's, let's imagine a little bit. All the five, the five kings of the Amorites and all their armies are massed against the city of Gibeon. Now, Gibeon was a mighty city. Gibeon would have had great walls. But they're surrounded. They're cut off. They're expe- these Canaanites, the Amorites, are expecting to defeat Gibeon before Joshua can get there. They're expecting the message to get to Joshua, then to take at least a day to march up and fight them the next day. They're expecting to conquer Gibeon today and fight Israel as they come up tomorrow. That's ordinarily what would have happened. But they are there in their camp. They're getting ready to face Gibeon. The morning mists are rising. And over the mountain comes marching the whole army of Israel. This is not what the, what the Amorites were expecting. And, but it wasn't Israel's sudden appearance on the battlefield that scared them. The Bible says the Lord discomfited them. That means to put, to put into confusion, to, to shake up, to instill with terror. So here's the armies of the, the Amorite kings and they're facing Gibeon. And here comes Joshua and his armies. All the host of Israel come marching over the mountain to where Gibeon is. And instead of the armies of, Amor- of the Amorites turning and fighting against Joshua, there's just terror in the ranks. Everything just begins to... Um, there's no leadership. There's no... Um, Togetherness with the army. A rout begins to take place. It says, the Lord discomfited him. The Lord slew them. The Lord smote them. And the Lord chased them. Is what the Bible says. God was giving the victory here. The victory wasn't because of Joshua's army. The victory, the Bible says, the Lord did this. God made this to happen. And then... God begins to throw hailstones at them. Now, we know this wasn't a massive hail storm like we would see. I've been in Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is famous almost for their, well, it's famous for their tornadoes and their hailstorms. As that's part of it. I've seen cars just dinged all over with hailstones. But the thing of a hailstorm, if you're in the storm, everybody gets it. Okay, it isn't there's just this massive hailstorm and hail's coming down on everybody. But the Israelites weren't hit by these hailstones. The Bible says in verse in verse number um, 
sorry, turn the, I believe it's verse number 11. And it came to, yes, and it came to pass as they fled from before the Lord. And then it says, the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them. God is working a miracle here is what's happening. God is taking um, the elements of heaven, we might say, natural elements, but using them to create a victory for his people. Maybe he had the angels throwing hailstones at these people. I'm using my imagination totally here. But that's what God did. It says God cast these stones down from heaven. He was using and he used these stones to give a great victory. It says, the Bible says that more of the enemy soldiers were killed with the hailstones than were killed with the whole armies of Israel. So God was working a mighty work here. And this route, it's not just a retreat, they're falling back. It's a disaster. They're being chased by the Israelites. God's taking hailstones and throwing them at them. They're not, the kings of the Amorites are not going to win this battle. God is working a mighty victory. And then Joshua talks to God and says, God, the sun, and commands the sun to stand still. A lot of people want to debate about what happened here. Basically, the sun didn't move and it didn't go down. And the moon stayed and it didn't come up. Darkness didn't come. If you are trying to escape from an enemy who's chasing you, the greatest benefit you can have is darkness. You can evade them. You can go away. They can't see where you're running. You can, you can get away from them. You can change your direction. And Joshua says, this is the battle God has placed us in. God has told us to fight this battle. God has promised us the victory in this battle. And we need to finish this battle. We need to complete what God has given us to do. This is the work God has placed in front of us. And we need to complete what God has given us to do. God, we can't do it in the time of a regular 24-hour day we can't, where the sun is up for so many hours. We can't possibly complete this battle. I looked at it on a map and they were chasing them for a long time. It wasn't just across a field. They were chasing them for mile after mile after they had marched all night up the mountain. After they had fought and were chasing them all day. And Joshua tells God, we cannot complete what's in front of us before the sun goes down. We need the sun to stay up. And the sun stays up. God worked an amazing, mighty miracle that the Bible says it never happened like that before that, and it hasn't happened like that after that. That was a miracle of God. This was not a sign or something to make Joshua know he was doing God's will. Yes, Joshua, you're doing God's will because the sun stood still. This was simply what Joshua needed to complete the work God had placed in front of him. Joshua needed the extra light to be able to complete the battle had put in front of him. I was thinking about it, and this is not the sun standing still, but a miracle of extra time to complete the work that God had laid in front of us was the scaffold is staying up last summer. It was supposed to come down September 1st. It didn't come, we wish it would have come down a little sooner than it did. It didn't come down to like November. But September 1st, the wood was not up around those towers. The cornice work was not done. 
We were looking at it and saying, how are we going to complete the work that God has placed in front of us? This work must be done. And a miracle of God, the, the guys could have come and showed up and said, we're here to take our scaffolding, and we could have done nothing about it. In reality, because the contract was up till September 1st. We called them and said, can you give us another week? Okay, I'll give you another week. Can you give us another week? Yes, we'll give you another week. And we had the time to complete the work that God had placed in front of us. That was a miracle of God that the scaffolding didn't come down. It was also a miracle of God that we were able to finish the work. That was a miracle of God as well. It wasn't because Pastor and the men who were working up there were some great carpenters or had great skills and great abilities to do that. No, it was simply God giving the ability, doing what we cannot do. It was a miracle of God. God doing what we cannot do. And then Joshua receives word. So they're fighting and the sun is staying up. And a miracle of God. And they're chasing these people. And they're chasing. And Joshua receives words at where he is with his commanders as they're moving forward. Hey, the kings who are responsible for this, they're holed up in a cave back here. We can, we can take out these kings and the battle's over. Right? I mean, if the army is dispersed, they're not an army anymore, right? If we capture the kings, they don't have leaders anymore. The battle's over, right? No, it wasn't. Joshua tells him, keep pursuing. The battle is not over until you've wiped them out. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? Like, how could have God of mercy do that? They had turned their back on God. They had heard the same messages that the Gibeonites had. And what had they done in re- they, they had seen the example of the Gibeonites of making peace with Israel. And what did they do? They got their armies together in rebellion and they charged and they attacked. They said, we're not having any of this. We're not having Israel's God. And they attacked them. And God said, I can't have that. And they were to wipe them out. The battle wasn't over. Even though the armies were dispersed, Joshua told them, keep on pursuing. Keep on, don't let them get into their fenced cities where they can regroup and come back and attack us. Keep going. Don't lose any of the victory that God has given. They've marched all night. They arrive with the sun up. And the sun doesn't go down. It stays up a whole nother day. And they're still going. And they're still fighting. You talk about the strength that they had to have to fight. And this wasn't just face-to-face. This was a running battle. This was where people were scattered and they were chasing them and trying to get them. It was a miracle of God that the army of Israel was still on its feet. That they were still able to continue this battle. And Joshua was saying, no rest. Keep going. Keep going. When the battle is over, it'll be over. But it's not over until we have won the victory God has for us. And then they come back. We can go back home now, right? Everybody who, we got everybody we could. Everybody else is in the cities. Just the few remaining survivors have gotten into the cities. Joshua brings them back to where the kings are. And they open up the cave where they are. Joshua had commanded them, roll stones up in the cave. to Don't let them get out. Make it a prison. Guard it. But keep going. So they come back and they roll, open up the cave and they take the five kings. The people, the leaders who had um, 
taken this attack against Israel and God and Joshua said, put your put your foot on their necks. It was it was we look at that and say, that's humiliating. That's we don't do that in battle today. But that was saying, he was saying, Joshua told him, you see these guys here on the ground in submission who came to attack? That's what God is going to do. As you fight the way God tells you to do, as you obey God, God is going to win the victories for you. And they destroy, and then they go to each of the cities. They go to the cities where these kings are from and they batter them down as God commanded them and they take the land that God, they do everything God has commanded them to do. In the end of verse number 22, I'm sorry, in the end of verse number 40, all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel commanded. Joshua was doing exactly what God had commanded. Not only did they wipe out the army that was facing them, not only did they kill the kings, but they went to this, each of the cities. If you look at the list of the cities of end of, at the end of Joshua chapter 10, and the beginning of Joshua chapter 10, it's the same cities. It's the same cities. They went there, and they attacked them, where these people had come from, and they said, this is done. We're conquering the land. This is God's land, like God had commanded them to do. So how did Israel win all these battles? It tells us very plainly in verse number 42. And all these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time. Why? Because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. These victories were not won through their power, through their strength, but through the power of God. Israel didn't start the battle. Israel, up to this time, Israel had attacked Jericho. Israel had attacked Ai. But this time, they were attacking Israel. But God still gave them the victory. God allowed them to be drawn into this battle. God allowed these kings to come and attack. It brought them out of their cities and God gave them a wonderful victory. They didn't have to go and besiege each individual city with the full strength of those armies in the city. The armies were out in the open, and God was the one who defeated them. Remember the hailstones? It wasn't Israel who won the battle. It was God. Miracle after miracle after miracle, we see of God giving Israel the victory in this battle. And we say, I would like to see the miracles of God in my life. Israel was able to see and able to participate and able to have God work this miraculous, this powerful victory simply by doing this, by obediently and persistently fighting the battles God put in front of them. As God brought the conflict in front of them, they obeyed what God said, they kept obeying what God said, And God was giving the victory. They kept doing what God said. They kept doing what God said. Obediently and persistently, they were doing what God had placed in front of them. They weren't saying, I wonder what's the greatest city in the land that I can conquer, that I can say, I need the most miracles of God to accomplish this. They weren't out looking for the greatest city, for the greatest achievements that they can do. Simply, They saw God work the miracles they needed God to work as they did the work 
that God placed in front of them. As they obeyed, as they did what God had had for them that day, they saw God provide the miracles they needed for the battle they were fighting that day. Joshua didn't say, well, today I would like to see the sun stand still. So everyone will know that I'm the leader God wants me to be with the miracle of God. No. It was simply, God, we need this to happen if we're going to do what you've commanded us to do. And God did it. We need this to happen if, this is, if we're going to complete what God has commanded us to do. And God did it. We seek the miracles of God in our lives, but God will work what only He can do. He will work the miracles as we do what He has placed in front of us today. As we obey God, we can participate. We can see God work. We can be involved in what God is doing as we obediently do what God has commanded us today. We do what God has commanded us today. We take just the simple next step of obedience and obey. And we say, God, if I'm going to do what you've told me to do, there's no way I can do it without the miracles. And we'll see God work miracle after miracle as we simply take the steps of obedience that God places in front of us. It wasn't Joshua, like I said, it wasn't Joshua saying, Let's find the greatest miracle that I need God, that I can find God to work. It was simply God doing what only God could do so they could obey what God had put, placed in front of them today. Now, for some of us, that may not be something where we need something super miraculous, where it's the sun standing still in heaven. But let me tell you, anything God does is miraculous because He is supernatural. Every step of the way we need the miracles of God. It may not seem as big as what some other miracle someone else is facing. It may not seem as big as a miracle when there's a couple more visitors at North Brooklyn Bible Baptist Church as it, when the first visitor shows up to Morris Park. When it may not seem like it's the biggest miracle to one person, but every step we try to do, every time we obey God, we need the miracles of God in our life. But we find the miraculous workings of God. We find God working and doing what only He can do when we do what God has placed in front of us to do. When we obey the next step that He has placed in front of us. Do you wish to see the miraculous working of God? The miracles God is interested in working is what will enable you to do the will of God today. That's the miracles God is. God is not interested in doing something so you can brag about and write, look what God has done in my life. So you can obey God today. So you can do what God has for you to do. Just keep on doing what God has put in front of you. God has given us the Word of God. God has given us a church. God has given us a pastor to preach, to show us, to, to, as we listen to what God is telling us to do, as we take the simple steps of obedience that are in the Word of God. We need God's miracles. We need the miraculous working of God as we take those simple steps. But if we want to see God work, God works as we just simply obey Him. God will provide 
and provide and provide what we need to complete His will. We just need to do what God has put in front of us. Obey God each step of the way. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing complicated. Sometimes it seems overwhelming. But it's really, if we boil it down, it's this. Just do what God has put in front of you and leave the results up to God. Allow God to work the miracles that we need. Don't stress about it. Just say, what has God placed in front of me today? And do that. And let God do the rest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today, Lord. I just pray that the message...